Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. You belong. This week, that'll be your, that'll be your catch line. I belong, and you do. Wow, that's bright. Y'all scare me. I, I, up to this point, I thought, "Woo, you're good. You're good. You look good. Glad you're here. Well, tonight is our very first uh, Mosaic Leadership Night, and uh, you don't want to miss it. When I say that, I'm not saying it just because I, I love leadership. Uh, some years ago, I can't even remember now, probably over 15 years ago, I received a call uh, from John Maxwell's office. He was in Atlanta, Georgia, had moved from San Diego to Atlanta, set up his what he called equip office. He went from being a pastor uh, to training leaders, and that was his goal, to train them all over the world. He knew one man could not do it. So he decided to get some pastors that would help him, and uh, his idea was, I will, I will set up places throughout the world. I will kick off the leadership uh, program there, and then I'll have you guys come in. So I was invited to his house. There were about 10 of us there. And that particular night, um, I had no idea what to expect or where he was opening up these leadership uh, locations. And that particular night, I'll never forget, John looked at me. And you guys got to understand, I had never been to Africa at that time. And uh, he said, uh, I'd like for you, Mark, to go to Cape Town, South Africa. And it was a three-year traveling back and forth a couple times a year to train leaders in Cape Town. And I made a deal with John. I said, I will teach in Cape Town, but when you, for some reason, I just love London. And I said, when you open up London, England, I want London, England. He said, it's a deal. So I went to Cape Town, wasn't long. He called and said, we're kicking off London at Westminster Chapel. And he said, it's yours if you want it. I said, I'll take it. So I spent three years going back and forth from London, training leaders in London. And then after I finished three years in London, that was the, the number of years that we gave to training one million leaders. A bunch of us at that time had grown to quite a few people. Then I left there and for the next couple of years went to Santiago, Chile, and, and trained leaders there. All that to say, what I didn't realize is how much of that was getting in me and how much I loved seeing people elevate. Loved to see people go from just being followers to becoming leaders. And everyone has the potential to have influence. The problem is we don't have the confidence that we need to lead. And so if, if you were to pay for this course now, it'd be thousands of dollars if you had to pay for this type of leadership course. Tonight I'll be training from those same notes uh, that John Maxwell trained me with. And it, it will help you in your marriage. It will help you in your neighborhood. It will help you in your job. It will help you in everything you do because leadership is a part of everything we do in life. So it'll be from 5 to 6 o'clock tonight. You'll have 1,268 reasons not to be here. And uh, they will all surface, start surfacing right after you get out of here. So, well, I'm tired. I'm this, I'm that. i got other things to do. You know what? It's time for you to invest in you. And when you invest in you, things change. You don't learn leadership by osmosis. You learn it by listening. And so tonight, you will not be disappointed. The notes will be on you version. If you'll come tonight, we'll pop those up. You'll be able to follow 
step by step what I'm talking about, and you will want to be here. If you learn to serve, your life will change forever, and servant leaders are what we are building. So it's going to change you. So anyway, we're doing a series on perseverance, and uh, today we'll be talking about maintaining a strong mind. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Those who think they can and those who think they can't are both usually right. You will follow the pathway of your thinking. You will live your life by a set of belief systems or rules that you will follow. You've been told how to live. Some of you are living the way your parents lived because it's all you know and you think it's the only way or it's the most comfortable way. And sometimes that may be the case for you. Maybe it's the way you're supposed to go, but I would challenge you to think. Keeping a strong mind, building a belief system of conviction, that's what will allow you to persevere. There was a man who had a history of heart problems from a very early age. Wasn't necessarily a believer, but he had a sister who was, and, and uh, he finally gave in that he was going to have to have heart surgery. And so he went in, had surgery, was successful, and he's coming out from under the medication. And as he barely can see, he looks, and there's a nun holding his hand and patting his hand. Very sweet lady. And she looks at him and says, Sir, I'm so sorry I have to ask this question at this time, but it's a part of what I do. Uh, do you have insurance, and is your insurance going to cover your heart surgery? He looked at her and said, no, ma'am, I, I don't have insurance. One of the reasons I didn't want to get heart surgery, I don't have insurance. And, well, sir, do you, do you have the cash to pay for the surgery? He said, no, I, I don't have the cash. She then said, well, do you have a family member or someone you know that could, uh, could pay? He said, no, all I have is a, a sister nun who's a spinster. The nun looked at him, oh, she's not a spinster. She's married to God. He looked back at the nun and said, well, then send the bill to my brother-in-law. Um, great response. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 28, if you would, please. George Bernard Shaw said, life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. In other words, you have the opportunity to design the life that God wants you to live, the, the life that God has for you. Now, the Bible says that we no longer belong to ourselves, we belong to Him because we've been bought with a price. When we can understand that God's desires for us are greater than the desires that we have, and we can begin to trust Him with the desires He possesses and surrender our lives to Him, then nothing will be too difficult for us. And certainly, nothing is impossible with God. But we must understand that when we try to do things our way, perseverance becomes suffering. Perseverance is when we're in obedience to God and we're willing to do whatever God wants, then we can get through anything. But when we start doing our own thing, our own way, knowing that we've been bought with a price we will experience suffering. And suffering simply means this. It's holding on without any hope that it's ever going to get better. Perseverance means holding on with every hope that things are going to get better. Very small difference. When you persevere and you are persevering, there is hope in the midst of that difficulty. When you're suffering, there is no sign of hope 
in the difficulty that you are currently experiencing. Now, in Genesis chapter 28, about to kick off here, many of you remember Jacob and Esau. Jacob was called a heel grabber. Jacob had a passion. Uh, he, he, he really had this, this passion for God. Now, I didn't say, I'm not saying he did everything right, but Esau came in from the field one day and was incredibly famished and hungry, and Jacob was kind of a domestic person, and Esau was an outdoorsman, and, and Jacob was wise and crafty, and, and uh, Esau said, give me some of the stew that you've made. And, and Jacob said, well, you know, give me your birthright. Jacob wanted what God had. Now, we can go, that's a whole different series of whether that's right or wrong, but I actually love the fact that Jacob had this mindset that I want everything that God has for me. I don't know how many of you become so tenacious that you refuse to lose your destiny. You refuse to lose your blessing. That whatever God has for you, you're going to go after it with everything in you. And as you go after it, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. So in this case, uh, Jacob had, had not stolen the birthright. Esau had given it up. And now Esau was in a, 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 had animosity toward Jacob, and so it's time for Jacob to leave. Things are not good. In verse 1 it says, So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him and commanded him, Do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Paddan Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful, increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now live as an alien, the land God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way, and he went to Paddan Aram to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. So the very first thing, and I will not finish this sermon today, so you'll have to come back and get the rest next week. And the only reason I'm not is when I get to study, and sometimes I get so far down the road, there's no way I can preach this in 30 minutes. And so I, I just stopped, and I thought, okay, I'll preach the rest next week. This is not like a TV series trying to get you to tune in. Uh, I'm being honest with you. You need to come back next week to get the rest of this. Because I'm going to tell you the ways that you have to think and stay strong-minded to get through. First, you have to recall the reason for your perseverance. Why am I going through what I'm going through? Give you an example. For those of you who went to college, your freshman year always stinks. It's you know you don't know what you're doing. Uh, you know it's just it's you go from maybe a small school to this mammoth school. And, and a lot of people drop out after their freshman year. It was difficult. They were away from home. A lot of things changed. And, and they, they began to suffer because they lost sight of their reason for being where they were. You have to always remember why you are where you are if you want to get to where you want to go. Why am I in this situation? It was that way for me. I'd grown up in a small country uh, community. Uh, graduated with a whopping 54 to 58 classmates. Didn't know because I'm sure some of them weren't there on graduation day. Uh, you know, that's what happens with rednecks. You wake up, you don't know what day it is. I grew up in that community. I was one of them. I'm there. I love my community. I love my friends. But we just had a good time. 
I don't think many of us thought about college. We were just thinking about graduation. If I can just get the heck out of here, life will be pretty good. Only we didn't say heck. Anyway, so um, then I, I, I went to college. I got a degree in partying. I got it really fast. I mean, you know, you can get that one quick. They pass out that degree first semester. I'm telling you right now. So I got that degree. So I have actually three degrees, a degree in partying and a degree in theology and a degree in psychology. So, but anyway, that first stint, I didn't make it. I, I went my freshman year, and I was like, I'm out, man. This is like crazy tough. And uh, it was for a guy like me. And so I, I, then I get born again a, a few years after I graduate. Felt like I needed to go back to school, so I go to Oral Roberts University Christian School, all the great stuff, you know. And I'm in there, and I'm struggling again. Only now I'm born again, so that just meant that all the bitterness I had was sanctified. And, you know, and so I, my freshman year, it was, just, it was tough. And, and I remember thinking, man, this is, I, I started thinking about other schools or going somewhere else or doing something else. I thought, I can't do this. And then all of a sudden, I got my eyes set on graduation of getting a degree in theology, understanding why uh, God does what he does and understanding a little bit more about God and learning more about the human mind and I never forget, uh, Psychology 101 changed the way I thought about everything. I, I was so intrigued by it that I, I was three hours away from double degree in theology and psychology, and I still got a minor in psychology, but I had to keep my mind focused on that day that I would walk across the stage being one of only three cousins that I knew of that got a bachelor's degree out of nearly 30 first cousins. It was not something we did in our family. So I, in order to persevere... I could have persevered or I could have suffered. I began to look ahead. And as I said last week, as we look at the book of Hebrews, uh, Christ, it says, endured uh, he, with a joy set before him, endured the cross. So whatever you set before you will either draw you or push you, pull you or push you. If you see negativity, if you see 10 reasons you can't excel or succeed, those will be your focus, and you will never go further than where you are. But it was with the joy, not the cross set before him, which if he doesn't set joy before him, then the cross becomes a place of only suffering. And granted, it was a physical, spiritual, emotional, mental suffering in that moment for Christ. But more than that, it doesn't say he suffered. It said with the joy set before him... He didn't suffer the cross. He endured. In the Greek, he persevered. And so it was with joy set before him. So the question I would ask, what are you setting before you? What are you looking at every day that you go to work? What are you looking at every day that you wake up in your marriage or relationship? What are you looking at in your life? Because that's what you're going to move toward. So you have to recall the reason that you're persevering. When you're raising children, you have to remember someday they will be a reflection to some degree of me. Now, I'm not doing it for me. I want my kids to learn to work, for instance. And so I worked in front of my kids. They saw me work hard all of their life. To this day, they're all hard workers. That's what I wanted to instill in my children. And, you know, there are times I had to persevere in order to make that statement to them that working is a part of God's plan. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. That's what the Bible says. And yet we live in a country that doesn't 
necessarily share those convictions. The challenge is that when you tell people they don't have to do something, they will default to the easiest setting. And so in church, in a, if you have friends, the Bible says iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. If you're not being sharpened and you're not sharpening, you will never get to the destiny and place that God has for you. So life's tough. Yeah, but can I tell you something? You're tougher. Life may be tough, but if God be for you, who can be against you? Greater is God in you than the toughness in this world. And that we have given in to the bare minimum. What's the bare minimum? That's a typical question. We don't typically go into jobs and say, who holds the record? We go in and say, what's, what's the bare minimum required of me? Why don't we start going in and say, I want to know what the record is because my goal is to break it. You need to set goals beyond your reach. You need to set goals that you can only reach with the assistance and help of God. Because that's the only way you're going to persevere. Every time I start having a tough time being in Oklahoma City and pastoring a church again, and God helped me starting a second one here, I have to remember why I'm here. And I can tell you the day and the location, January 3rd, 2016, sitting in an Orange County church near the back. I thought maybe the further back I got, the more quiet God would be. Can I tell you all something? God really yells on the back row. He's in your head right now. He's whispering to all you front row people up here. You just and I hear this voice from God. Literally hearing this voice. And I knew I had a choice. And so on times that I have a difficult time being here, I recall the reason that I'm here. I will recall that reason for the rest of my life while I'm here. Because how many of you know, we still don't know what season it is in Oklahoma. I swear we had spring a week ago. And yesterday was freaking winter. I had to go back and recall the reason I'm here. You, you may have to do that in your marriage, in your job, in your business, in your neighborhood. Why am I here? And recall that reason. I know that Jacob had to recall the reason that he went to Laban's house. Now, I'm going to preach on this next week, but I'm going to give you a teaser this week. Jacob was sent to the house of Laban, but before he got there, he finds himself at a well. He sees Rachel, and he's, he's like, he goes, Pepe La Pew. He would follow her anywhere that she went. And it's Laban's daughter. He says, I found the wife that I want. And I mean, I'm going to tell you all something. There ain't a man on earth that loves a woman enough to work seven years for her daddy to get her. We like microwave spouses. You know, I want it when I want it. And so Laban says, if you'll work for me seven years, you can have Rachel. Now, I'm going to tell you, those seven years were tolerable because he recalled the reason he was working for Laban. He could persevere anything every day he got up. And I'm sure he had 
Roman numerals or something, those marks on the wall, counting down the days till he gets to have Rachel as his wife. So he's recalling that reason. This is good reason to persevere. You're in the midst of a, a job situation and you promise promotion and raises and, and they're not coming as quickly as you think they should. And you start feeling like you're suffering and being overlooked. Maybe it's time for you to simply persevere and trust that God is faithful even if somebody else isn't. I was listening to a, a preacher this week. I listened to a couple of sermons a week myself because I don't like preaching to me. I'm talking, I'm not listening, and some of you go, we get that sometimes, because if you heard what you said, you wouldn't have said it. Anyway, so, he talks about this salesman who was forced to, to drive everywhere he went because he didn't have the money to fly. And, and so, he's, he's driving everywhere, he's, always, he's just always gone and tired and fatigued, but he stayed with the company, and, and, and one day he's in church and he hears the pastor talking about tithing and giving and he finally decided you know things are the what they are uh, they don't look like they're going to get better i guess i just need to trust god so he started tithing he didn't tell anybody and it wasn't any time until his boss called him in and said you know what where, where are you going he said well i told him with the place he was going and when, when are you leaving he said i gotta leave tomorrow because it's a two-day drive he said stop he said, I want you to fly. Company's going to pay. We're going to take care of your hotel and your air travel. We're not going to make you drive anymore. He didn't say anything to his boss, but i tell you something. God said something to his boss, and when he started obeying God, it went from suffering to persevering, saying good things are going to happen. What's the difference? When, I, when I'm obedient to God and I know I'm walking out the will of God, that's perseverance. When I choose to do my own thing, my own way, it's my own will, that's called suffering. But when you start obeying God, the willing and obedient, the Bible says, shall eat the good of the land. Not the willing and the skilled, not the willing and the perfect, but the willing and obedient. Let me tell you guys something. Following God is really not that difficult if you'll get yourself out of the way. You say, well, i, I got to be good, i got to perform well, if, if I'm nice, if I'm good. Look, nice is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can't be nice and get something from God. You can be obedient and get something. How many of you know there's some mean, obedient people? They are. They're obedient to God. God bless them. They just mean. But we're looking for all the people say, well, I've been good, I've gone to church, I've done this, I'm serving, I'm doing that. I, I was nice to my boss, I was nice to my co-worker. Where are you, God? God says, nice is not a part of this. You're still disobedient. You're nice to everybody, but I told you to do this and you're not doing it. Insanity, doing the same thing, expecting different results. Sometimes you've got to change things up. I'm looking in the lobby today month or so ago, I did this big thing on servant leaders. People signed up, and we had, you know, weeks where there were people that we, you couldn't even move in the lobby. We had so many greeters. I'm out there today, and we're short about five greeters. Where are you? But I did see two parking lot people that were Ken and Barbie, and I was thankful for them. I almost kissed them both, their husband and wife. I did their wedding and a couple of months ago. I went over and hugged them. They had the vests on. They looked so good. But see, see, what happens is you have to keep a strong mind or the passion to obey will fade. And as it fades, so does your persevering. 
You have to fight to stay tuned to God. You have to fight to stay tuned to God. I just had this scripture. 930 people didn't get it. Finally. I like it when a verse starts with, finally. It's almost like, you dummies. Paul's saying, I want to get this in your head. Finally, believers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's worthy of respect, whatever's right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think, listen to this, continually on these things. Not think about them, think continually. In other words, you can't let your mind have a break or your destiny will end up being fake. You cannot give it a break. You have to think continually. You have to stay strong. I will get up on Sunday and serve. I will get up and do what I said I would do. I was called to preach, going to Old Roberts University, getting a degree in theology. I was all that in a bag of chips by the time I was a junior. I had convinced myself that Billy Graham would be lucky to have me on his team. I was, I was all that, you know, I was up in there. And then I, I'm in church one day. I'm still a junior at, at ORU, and, and I'm in church. It was a big church. And, and the youth pastor stands up to make an announcement because that's what always happens when you need people. And he says, we're going to youth camp, and I'm talking hundreds of kids, and we're taking buses, and we need bus drivers. Well, I had my CDL. And I'm sitting there going, well, that's not for me. I'm a preacher. I need to be preaching, and anybody be blessed who'd hear me. And then I get this nudging. Go talk to him. I don't want to. Finally, I gave in. And when I'm talking to him, he was so nice, but I think him and God had ganged up on me. And I end up telling him, I will drive a bus of 60 screaming uh, junior high kids. I think I'd rather be incarcerated for a week to Arkansas. Jesus help all of us, the home of the toothbrush. Anyway, so, only a handful of you got that one, ha-ha. So, I remember getting on that bus, they're yelling and screaming, and the reality is that that was the beginning of ministry for me. God said, I want you to, are you willing and obedient? Because if you are, I'll take you from where you are to where I've called you to be, but you have to take the steps to get there. And you know, it, that turned into the beginning of everything for me. That was the start to get me to where I am today. I would have never thought that driving a yellow banana with 60 junior high kids on it, screaming and yelling to Arkansas, would be the beginning of ministry. But see, we, today we want to go from graduation from the classroom to the boardroom. And let me tell you something. You don't have enough character getting out of the classroom and have a voice in the boardroom until you fought some stinking battles. Ask Jacob. Let me tell you how much he loved Rachel after the second tour. Laban said, you can't have her after seven. You've got to work seven more. I'd have punched him in the nose in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. 
because that's what we do. But instead of suffering, he persevered. Why? Because he said, this is, what my, this is where my blessing is. Your blessing isn't always where you want it, but it's always where God says it will be. You don't understand why you're here any more than I do. I don't understand why you're here. I don't dare ask questions either. But I think this morning when I got up and every Sunday I do this, God, bring the people to Mosaic that you've ordained to be there. If they don't want to be there, wake them up and make them come. Because I know they're not going to be blessed unless they do. And it's not about us. It's about you and where you're supposed to be. It really is. Building a church is not about building numbers. It's about building people. And the best place for you to be is where God wants you to be. And, you know, I just happen to believe there are thousands of people that are supposed to be here. I just happen to believe that. You're not going to change my mind. You're not going to change my mind. When I was going through my hell for two to three years and uh, going through all my difficulty, you know, I, I talked to a lot of people. I was getting counsel from everybody from wise people to donkeys. First name's Jack. Anyway, so... You know, and there were people, how many of you know, some people have good intentions, but stupid thoughts. And I, I doubt if my attorney friend's watching, but if you are, you'll remember saying this. He says, like, you know, I said, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do, man. I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, you know, they don't want me back at the church I started. And, and I said, I, I, don't, I just don't know. I mean, all I know how to do is what I've done for the last 30-some years. And I said, you know, I, that's all I know how to do. I'm not good at anything else. This is, this is my destiny. And uh, he said, well, you know, I said, you know, I'm thinking about maybe, maybe God would have me go back someday or something. He said, well, that yeah, probably wouldn't work. You'd have a couple hundred people maybe, but. Are you listening? He's a good friend. I've known him forever, but. <laughs> But, and so when I started, when, I, when God spoke to me in 2016 to start the church, my mind went back to his voice. Any of you ever had that happen? Where you go back and remember the negative. Somebody said, you'll never make it. You're not worth anything. You have no value. You can't do that. Nobody will come. I went back to that. When God said, I, I said but I, and I started thinking about what God said, and I started thinking about what he said. And let me tell you something. Most temptation is we believe what somebody else says versus what God says. Well, you know, he's smart. He's an attorney. He's got all these degrees. And he is smart. And he is an attorney. He's got all these degrees. And he's my friend. But he was a dummy in that moment. You were a dummy. I'm being nice. Could have used a lot of other words, but there are books for dummies. Cooking for dummies. Photography for dummies. Driving for dummies. It's a book. I mean, it's all this. Churches for dummies. Anyway, so... So he's, this voice is in my head, and I'm thinking to myself, but he said, and what if he's right? Then I'm thinking, if God said go, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. When God says do something, you're not responsible for the outcome. You're responsible to do what he says, and then he has to do something with what you've done. And we don't like to talk about God that way. After all, he's God. He can do whatever he wants. No, he can't. Let me tell you why he can't. Because God's not a man that he shall lie. So when he gave promises in his word, he has to do what he said he would do. He can't do anything different because he doesn't lie. 
So when I read something in the Bible that God said he would do, I say, God, you said you would do this. And he told Isaiah, he said, call me into remembrance of my word. Tell me what I said and I will do what I said I would do. Some of y'all treat God like you can hurt his feelings. <laughs> I've heard people say, but I let God down. That's really arrogant of you. You can't let God down because you're not holding God up. So quit thinking that God is all concerned about your little disobedient issue. What God wants for you is your destiny to come to pass. He's not worried about your sin. He's worried about your destiny. And he's not worried about it. He's believing it's going to happen. Look, not everybody is going to be for you. Secondly, not everybody needs to be for you. Only God. And if God is for you, he'll rally other people around you who are for you. We wait on public opinion. We wait on the majority vote. Folks, there, are, there is not strength in numbers. There is strength in your faith. If you have a strength of faith, God will take care of the numbers. But you don't get faith because of numbers. You get faith because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That's where your faith comes from. He did what he said he would do. He'll do what he says he will do. He's never stopped doing what he said he would do. So don't go around and get four or five people to agree with you before you do what God's told you to do. God's already in agreement with what he told you to do. So just do what he says. Sheesh. Keep behaving like this, we're going to inject this place with Red Bull. Y'all need some help up in here. Philippians chapter 1. Get this, and I'll close pretty quick. I told you I wouldn't even get close to finish, so you version has this whole sermon on there. Don't go home and cheat and don't come back because you can't preach it. I can. I wrote it. Don't sing it. All right. Philippians 1.12, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, wouldn't you, when you read that, wouldn't you think something good really must have happened to Paul? Because what's happened to me, in other words, I got a big donor, I got a big building, and that's what's advancing the gospel. No, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Whoa. We would quit serving Jesus if we ever got put in chains. I was preaching Jesus, and you let these mean men beat me up and put me in prison. I quit. I thought you were Almighty God. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition and not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But, great question, what does it matter? We need to embrace and develop a what does it matter attitude about people. Why they do what they do, why they 
try to create trouble. Paul said, it doesn't matter. Why? Because Paul's calling, recalling the reason for his perseverance. Why am I having to persevere? Because I was called to preach the gospel. They thought they could shut it down, and now more people are preaching the gospel. So if I recall the reason that I'm in chains, it's not suffering anymore. It's actually victory, persevering through it, because it's happening the way God wants it to happen. The results are up to God. Paul said, I'm in chains. Why? Because I'm preaching the gospel. And Paul could have whined about being in chains and losing his ministry, his popularity, his radio ministry, his TV ministry. I know some of you didn't even think they didn't have TVs back then. You think, did he really? <laughs> blessing, the blessings of God are connected to the mandates of God. Now, if you're a millennial, I hate to break your heart. Because what we want is we want things because we feel like somebody owes us those things. I can't be blessed anywhere I want to be. And it really bothers me. It really does. I, I, I would love, you know, I, I, I know that when I get to heaven, I will have a, a mansion overlooking the ocean. I will, because I didn't get to have one here. And I've already talked to God about this, and... That's how this is going to work. I know some of you are befuddled by that thought. But my mandate and my blessing come through Oklahoma City. It's the NAFTA of God. The superhighway. And this is where my blessing comes. Jacob's blessing would come from the household of Laban. Nowhere else. You see, you don't suffer when you're in obedience. You don't always understand. Things don't always go as smoothly as you like. But the pathway of perseverance is very narrow. It's not broad. And it doesn't mean that you won't go to heaven. It doesn't mean you won't have a good life. I don't want a good life. I want a great life. I want a life that is so blessed by God that there's a glow on my face. When you walk in somewhere, people just look and go, he's so happy. I want to go ask why. I really, that's the life I want to live. Now, I don't, I'm not successful at it every day, but if I could even do one day a week, I'd be great. I really would. I mean, I just, I just want to walk out in my neighborhood and stand. And maybe for 30, 40 minutes, they'd really wonder. They'd come over. Is everything okay? Especially if you're looking into their window. Wouldn't that weird you out if your neighbor's standing on the sidewalk across the street from you going? That's just strange. But you can tell when someone's suffering and you can tell when someone's persevering. Persevering people... Understand that the path of the righteous, that narrow path of perseverance, the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. That's our pathway. And if things are not getting brighter and brighter for me, I have to question, did Siri misguide me? Because I know that following God and pursuing God and, and, and focusing on God should bring a level of joy and light to my life. Even in the midst of difficulty, Paul is rejoicing 
in chains because he recalled his reason for being there. And I'm going to close with this. Because this is very, 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 very important. Oftentimes, our goal in life is to prove people wrong. I don't want to prove people wrong. I simply want to prove God right. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm forgiven. And I am forgiving. And I'm not in Oklahoma City to exact revenge on anybody. Prove anybody wrong. I'm here to prove God right. That the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. Your sin and my sin doesn't remove his promise. As a matter of fact, my sin and your sin are the reason for his promise. So you have no excuse and I have no excuse. There are no excuses. And that will be my last point next week. You have to remember there are no excuses. Quit blaming your situation and your difficulty right now and where you are on anybody else. Look, man, I grew up in a country bumpkin neighborhood. We didn't know what college preparatory school was. They, we just knew what high school prep was. That was junior high getting us ready for high school, hoping we'd get out. I could easily say, well, you know, they didn't get me ready for college, and I can promise you, as wonderful as those people were, my administrators, my teachers, wonderful people, they did not get me ready for what I'm doing. And I could have said, well, you know, if I'd have been in a better school, if, if I'd have gone to a private school, if, if my parents would have done a better job, if they'd have moved to the right neighborhood, put me in the right school. We use all of those things, and we use excuses our whole life instead of using God's promises. It's time to quit using excuses and start applying the promises of God. I know how my story ends. I do. It is going to be amazing. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to leave a legacy that will go generation after generation. Well, that's pride. No, it's not. It's the promise of God. I want people to know and see God will never leave you, never forsake you, never quit on you, never stop, never quit, never sleep, never slumber. He is never going to do that. I don't care what you've done. So quit excusing yourself because you had a moment of stupidity. A season of stupidity. Stop. Everyone in here. Some of y'all been in a long season. <laughs> Time for you to come out of hibernation, man. But we've all been there. We can't use excuses anymore. It's time to start with the promises of God. So if anybody comes up to me and says, Mark, it can't happen. A guy like you could never do this again. Let me tell you something. I'm going to prove God right. This is not about revenge. This is about showing people that what God will do in the pew, He'll do on the platform. What He'll do in some other location, He'll do in this location. I am not quitting. And you're not going to quit. We will hound you, pray for you. By the Spirit, we will be in your living room, your den, your kitchen. We'll even sneak into the bathroom while you're taking a shower. <laughs> By the Spirit. We don't want to see you that way either. Anyway, so... Because I'm telling you, prayer picks every lock. Faith goes into every house. Tenacity. Relentlessness. We will pray for you. 
We are praying for you. You can be as stubborn as you stinking want to be, but the Spirit of God is going to overpower your stubbornness, and you're going to do the will of God. You're going to see the results of God. I'm telling you, things are opening up. Heaven is opening over your life. That's what I prayed this morning. I said, God, open heaven over every part of my life. I will not be ashamed to ask that prayer and God everything about me. I want you to just make me so happy. Make my soul, my mind, my money bring into cash. See, he's talking about money in church. I'm talking about you too. Some of y'all need to wake up and act like you all that. Go get you some fluffy house shoes. Get you a robe that costs just a little bit too much. Walk around, look in the mirror and say, look at that. Mm-hmm. I got the Ritz going on up in here. <laughs> See, some of y'all have just been talked out of what Jesus died you into. I'm not going to be talked out of it, and I'm not going to be ashamed of it. I believe I'm blessed in the city, in the country, coming in and going out. Though my enemies come at me from one direction, they have to flee in seven. I'm the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. I'm telling you, you better look out. Get up every day, find scriptures, and quote them. Recite them. We'll be talking about that next week, so I better stop. God, thank you. You're awesome. You're incredible. You're the God who stays with us always in our messes, in our good times, our bad times. Lord, we thank you that your word is true. You will not bail on us. You won't leave us. You won't forsake us. You won't walk away. You're the hound of heaven, and you're on our trail all the time. And God, I thank you so much that we will see the glory of the Lord in the land of the living. We won't have to wait for heaven, God. But we'll see you here in our lives, in our health, in our families, in our finances, in our professions, our vocations. Lord, I pray joy upon this house and everyone in this place. Every piece of your mosaic is here today and watching online. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. Amen.